Today, we're going to hear from a guest who will be sharing his stories and experiences from working with incarcerated dads in the infamous San Quentin State Prison. He will talk about their challenges and how the work he has done and is still doing is changing their lives and what we can do to support such efforts. Welcome to the Fatherhood Challenge, a movement to awaken and inspire fathers everywhere to take great pride in their role and to challenge society to understand how important fathers are to the stability and culture of their family's environment. Now, here's your host, Jonathan Guerrero. Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. My guest is Dr. Stuart Pirelliat. Dr. Pirelliat is an ordained minister and the founder and executive director of Man to Man Urban Youth Advocate, a program that's designed to help strengthen the role of young men of color as powerful, positive and protective co-parents through recovery, intervention and educational programs. He performs prison ministry serving the men who are incarcerated at San Quentin Prison since 1995. Through his ministry, Stewart helps facilitate change in their lives by providing life skills and using the word of God as an instrument for transformation. I must also mention he himself is a father of three kids. Dr. Preliat, welcome to the Fatherhood Challenge. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So what is your favorite dad joke? Favorite dad joke is, what does the pig give his dad for Father's Day? Mm, I don't think I've heard this one. What, is, what does he give his father for Father's Day? Lots of hogs and kisses. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that was a good one. (laughs) Let's jump right into it. All right. What is the story behind why and how you started Man to Man? Yeah, Man to Man was started back in 2007 uh, when a college... uh, asked me to speak to some basketball players uh, at their school. It was a two-year junior college, and they had students from all over the continent. They had people from Africa. They had people uh, from, you know, they had players from Chicago, Philadelphia. But the problem was these guys weren't graduating from high school, uh, from college. And so she had asked me, the woman who was uh, one of the uh, staff at the college, she said, would you be willing to meet with these men? I know you meet with men and I'm wondering if you would have like a sit down dinner and, and a conversation with them. And she says, you know, we have a budget for it. And she named it man to man. And, uh, and she did the dinner and everything. And we began to, meet in a conference room, close the door. And uh, the way we started the conversation was that this is a conversation where it is not a monologue, but a dialogue. And so we're going to talk about some things that you typically wouldn't feel comfortable talking about, but this is uh, going to be a session where we'll be transparent and open. Uh, then the conversation began to open up and guys began to talk. And one of the guys began to share that he was from Philadelphia and a teacher called his mom. And, you know, and when his mom began uh, to talk to the teacher, the teacher told her, I apologize that your son was murdered. And the guy couldn't even get mm-hmm. words out. 
uh, he, without breaking down and crying. And his team embraced him and put their arms around him and begin to say, man, it's okay. And that is how that dialogue began. And, um, and I saw that this was a gift, you know, to work with these young men uh, from these different places, but noticed that they all had the same issue. And that issue was growing up in a, a very rough urban community, uh, you know, low income housing, single family home. And, uh, you know, that's that's how man to man started. You were a former Marine. And during your career as a sergeant, did you have a lot of fatherless men or boys under your command? And how did fatherlessness impact them? Just about all of the guys that I was serving in the Marines with are served under me. I would say a huge population, like 90 percent of them didn't have fathers. Uh, wow. You know, I had a really close friend of mine when I was in Virginia and he was a sergeant and I was uh, E3, Lance Corporal. And he and I became really great friends. And he was from Philadelphia and he was a valedictorian of his class. Very smart. Um, he actually um, worked for the, Le- the Naval Legal Service. And, you know, I, I had many conversations with him. He never really talked about his father. I did meet his mom several times, but just the, the problem that occurred in the service in terms of, you know, him not really, even though he was a, a great Marine and he had a great record and a great record book, uh, he had a lot of issues. And those issues ended up getting him kicked out of the Marines as a staff sergeant, as an E6. And it carried on. uh, Even after he got out, he was in and out of prison. And then a few years ago, uh, they found him, you know, dead in an alley in, in Philadelphia. Please share some stories, some of the stories of the men that you have helped while you've been involved in prison ministry and how did fatherlessness impact their path in life? You know, I I start off the same way I started off that very first class, explaining to them that this is a safe place and that what is said here stays here. And that if there's any making fun of anybody or ridiculing anyone, that they would be removed permanently from the class. Because I, I want to create a place that's safe for these men to be able to share what they feel. Uh, with that said, we, we, we started off with a class, Men and Emotions, and, and talked about, you know, being transparent, being vulnerable, um, being able to have empathy and, and talk about the things that, you know, they're struggling with. And so one day we was teaching this, I was teaching this fatherhood class. Uh, inside out dad. And um, there was a guy that was in the corner, you know, we all in a circle, but he was on the corner in and he cried the entire class. I mean, and I, I can tell the guy was doing something in his life. And I also could tell that he was very uncomfortable being in that environment, crying in front of people. And after the class was over, 
I shared with him, I asked him to come to me and talk to me for a minute. And I told him, I said, don't ever stop coming. I said, I know it, you feel awkward. I know if you feel like you would want to stop coming because you feel like, you know, less than a man because you're crying in front of all these men. I said, but God is doing something in your life and he's healing you. And if you stop coming, the healing process will stop. And then he began to tell me, he says, Dr. Perelia, he says, you have no idea of my life. And I never really knew how messed up I was until I started taking this class and what I miss. I never even thought it was a problem not to have a father in my life. But now I'm seeing, you know, the decisions that I've made and the direction that I've gone is because I did not have that foundation. I didn't have a father who could lead and guide me. And he says, I've learned so much in this class. And, um, you know, I'm working now to be a better father myself. So what was really happening there was an ongoing conviction from the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. And he is a believer. And uh, and he was just telling me, you know, I'm just I just been struggling. And, you know, I, I I mean, there, I can tell you stories after stories. There's another guy that's in my class. Um, he's uh, 60 years old. He only has been on the outside five years of his life. He's been in and out of juvenile hall. He's been in and out of county jail and prison all his life. And he shared with me, he said, Dr. P, he said, you're the real deal. <laughs> he said, um, I have never even thought about being in a relationship or even communicating. He says, after every class, he said, they have tablets now where they can call their uh, spouses on these tablets. And he says, I call my wife and we go over every class. He says, I don't, you know, he says, I, I, I just got to tell you that this class is one of the best classes that I've ever taken. And he says he doesn't have any kids, but just the fact that he's in this class and he plans on having kids when he comes out. He says, it's just really helped me with my communication skills and how to, you know, better be in a, a healthy relationship. He's, it's been in and out of bad, unhealthy relationships, drug infested relationships. But, you know, this fatherhood class and he doesn't have any kids, but he's learning how to be a good father. And he's realizing that the decisions that he made was because his father, when he was a young man, about 10 years old, told him that he was leaving his mother and going uh, to have a relationship with another man. Wow. He said that really wrecked his world. And he said he even questioned his own masculinity and manhood and even asked himself, you know, would he even, you know, be that way? And it's just really struggled with his identity as a human being. That's interesting that he called you the real deal. And I will, I will validate that 110% because just for sake of transparency with this audience, we tried to schedule this conversation that we're having right now. And we had to reschedule the conversation. And the reason we had to reschedule that conversation is because you were helping your daughter with an application. 
In other words, we had to reschedule this interview because you were fulfilling your responsibility as a father. You frankly, it's clear you don't really care whether anybody knows about this detail or not. But my point is that you were doing what you were supposed to do as a father, whether anyone was looking or not. And I want people to see it because that to me is modeling. That's what everyone else should be doing, putting their kids first. So the fathers that you've helped in prison, what are some of the challenges that they face in staying connected with their family and kids? A lot of them have um, issues with communicating with their kids because the mom is the gatekeeper. And because of whatever relationship that they've had with the mom has um, created a place where the mom will not allow them to communicate with their kids or, you know, just will ignore the phone calls or the, 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 you know, the writing of the letters. And, and these guys are saying, you know, I, I know I made mistakes, but I want to be a part of my children's life. Those that, that is a really major issue uh, in terms of these young men and older men uh, communicating with their children. There, there are others that have shared with me because of their lifestyle before prison uh, has created a wedge in their children's relationships that now their children are adults and don't want to even have anything to do with them. But they're still taking the class. They still want to you know, learn how you know, they can communicate with their children and, and find some tools to help them so that they can start over. And so one of the things I share with them is that, you know, it's a process because there's a lot of trust issues. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of pain. And so you're going to have to be patient with them uh, through that process. And it's okay uh, to let your children know that you made a mistake. You know, you, you made some bad decisions and you're sorry. And you was wondering if you could start over. I think that these fathers have shared with the mother that, you know, they want to be engaged in their children's life. But I don't know how much they know about how these guys are really rehabilitating their lives and changing their thought process and really wanting to be uh, engaged in their children's life. And they're sincere about it. You know, they, they these guys are some really sharp guys, made some bad decisions, but they're not bad people. You know, now I'm not saying all of them, but, you know, there are the majority of these guys just made a lot of bad decisions at a young age. And now they're not wanting their children to make the same decisions that they made. And so they're trying to be a part of it. And, you know, some of them even feel like, you know, they can't do that because, one, they never had a father. Two is they know they don't know the impact that they have in their children's life, even while they're still behind prison. A lot of kids don't care about their dad being in prison at that age. They just want their daddy. You know, they just want to be able to see him, you know, and they, and they tell me these stories that when their children come visit them and they jump in their lap and, you know, they're just talking and laughing and, you know, and they're asking them questions, they're happy, you know, and to take that away from a child, it's like taking a part of their history away from them. I hear the stories of kids uh, that have incarcerated fathers uh, that in social circles, they will 
deny that they have a father or they will make up some story. Oh, my father died in an accident or something like that. And so if I'm understanding that whole dynamic correctly, they really just want other people to stop asking questions about their father because the answer is too painful. But that has nothing to do with whether they want their father in their life. In fact, if they had a chance to see their father on a regular basis, they would jump at the chance because that's really what's hurting them. And that's really what they want. Absolutely. I mean, you, you, you hit it on the nose. I mean, here's the thing. You have uh, these young men that may have friends that have fathers and these fathers shows up at the football games and the basketball games and the track meets and they come to parent night and, and, you know, kids, they don't have filters. So they, you know, they ask anything. It was like, where's your father? You know? And I mean, no one wants to say my dad is in prison, you know? And so they, they cover up that part. But what I have learned is that I don't care how old you are. I don't care what type of relationship that you've had or if you knew your dad or not, you'll always miss that portion of that that father figure in your life. And I, I know a gentleman is 76 years old. And, uh, you know, every time we have these conversations, he cries because he didn't have a father in his life. And it wasn't until he was an adult all his life, he thought that the man that was raising him was his father until he found out as an adult that that man was not his father, you know. And then those questions begin to come in his mind was, well, what did I do that my dad didn't want to be a part of my life? Or where is my dad? Or, mm-hmm. you know, why didn't he love me? Or why didn't he want to spend time with me? And, you know, kids and adults, whether they're men or women, you know, a father is that person who gives that foundation. He's the one who gives you your identity. I mean, that there's a reason why there's a mother and a father. And I don't discount mothers. Mothers does great jobs. And a lot of times mothers are doing the father's job. But the truth of the matter is kids need both parents. And, uh, and they know that because that discipline comes from that father. It's a different discipline that comes from the father that comes from the mother. And kids recognize that. Let's change gears a little bit. Let's talk about where God is. Where is God in all of this? And and by this, I mean, where is God in the stories of the men that you've helped and are still helping? God has always been there. And God is 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 transforming these guys' lives. It's, it's funny that you ask this question, because when I teach these classes in San Quentin State Prison, I teach these classes in the chapel. <laughs> So the Protestant chapel. So this is in the church where they're getting this class. So uh, I have no problem talking about God and the people that's in this class have no problem sharing about how God is transforming their lives and even connecting their relationships. Uh, You know, when when we talk about uh, fatherhood, you know, fatherhood is is a. major issue everywhere in the world. Uh, It's been said that it is, you know, an issue that creates like 90% of our social ills. It's the most 
It's, it's the most devastating issue, uh, crisis in our community today. And when we think about that, unfortunately, we have that same problem in the church. So when you ask that question about, okay, what about where's God in this? God still remains the same. Even if we look in the Bible and we see uh, all of these great men of God, David, Eli, Solomon, uh, they were great men of God, but they were horrible fathers, you know. And when we think about this this title of a father, uh, that father name came from God, the father. He is the ultimate father. I mean, he takes this title so serious that he gave us his name. And so when, when these young men uh, understand that and they understand the responsibility uh, that God has given us uh, to father our children and to be able to, to embrace them and to, 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 uh, to hold them and to, to love them and to protect them, we're really only exemplifying what God has done in our lives. You know, one of the most powerful stories that uh, I re- recall in the Bible, and it's funny you mentioned that. You mentioned several characters in the Bible, several men in the Bible who were terrible fathers. Uh, one of them you mentioned was David. This is the story I like about David. So David had this great idea in his mind. He wanted to, you know, he could not stand the thought that God is living in some tent among the people and thought they should, he should be living. And here I am in this luxury palace. God should have a a temple better than my palace to dwell in. And so he wanted to build the new temple. God basically said, Nope, uh, you're, you're not going to be the one to build this temple. You've shed too much blood. Uh, so however, you're going to have a son and your son is going to continue that work. You can do the prep work. You can get all the materials during your reign, your administration. You can get everything needed, but you're not to build it. Your son's going to do that. And then God just changes gears a little bit. Oh, by the way, I'm going to parent your son. I'm going to be his father. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. thought that, and this is not, you know, and I don't really read that as a necessarily re- a rebuke on David. I read it as an act of grace mm-hmm. that God is bestowing, even a blessing to be a dad to Solomon that David could not be. I think that's absolutely powerful. It is. You're you're absolutely right. When you think about, you know, David and, and, and the Bible says that God says that David is a man after my own heart. You know, he's my friend. Yet, mm-hmm. you know, he has his son who wants to take over his kingdom. <laughs> you know, he has another son that raped his daughter, one of his daughters. You know, I mean, it was a lot of dysfunction in that family because David was not in his rightful place as a father. What is the solution for incarcerated dads that you help? How are their hearts turned to their kids and how are their kids' hearts turned back to their fathers? Well, it has to start first in their heart. When, when, when people know things different, then they make different decisions. They respond different. When, when, when you grow up in an area where uh, everybody in your neighborhood doesn't have a father, and you grow up thinking that that's the norm, uh, then your, your mind grows into a place where 
your identity is changed because your identity is changed in, in the sense that you don't know who you are. And so the streets begin to dictate who you are. And so they begin to give you labels. Uh, you're a drug dealer, you're a killer, you're a pimp, you're a hustler. All of these things that, you know, you they get this in their mind because they don't know who they are. But when they get in prison, uh, they have a lot of time to think and they have a lot of time to read. And then we give them some tools to put in their toolbox to help them to see differently than what. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is we have to uproot the old foundation, you know, and we have to give them a new foundation with a new thought process. So we have to, you know, and that's what I tell these men is everything that you've learned about masculinity, about a man and man not crying and the man not being transparent and not open and his responsibility for his children and how he treats the women. You have to forget all about that. Because that, then you have to throw that out because you have to relearn some new things. And then I give them understanding of, of not just learning it, but why. And so when they understand why and they learned how to communicate and they learned that a lot of that thinking that they used to think about is really unhealthy. Now they have a better way of dealing with life, better way of dealing with relationships, better way of communicating with their kids, being able to say, I love you, you know, where, where, you know, I guarantee you when I talk to these men and I ask them in any prison, I can, I, I can say this as a general statement. How many of you all have trust issues? More than 95% of those people are going to raise their hands. Yeah. You know? And so once they gather that trust and they begin to transform their mind and their thinking and allowing God, the understanding that God is the one who created this baby. God is the one who's giving you this responsibility. God will give you what you need to parent these children. When they understand that, it's a game changer. Dr. Pereliat, how can those listening get connected with you, learn more about what you're doing? Well, our, our website is man, M-A-N, number two, man, dash, U-Y-A, dot org. The U is for urban, the Y is for youth, the A is for advocate, dot org. So it's man, number two, man, dash, U-Y-A, dot org. Our email address is man to man and then at man to man dash uya dot org. Man to man at man to man dash uya dot org. I'm also going to make this easy to find if you also go to the fatherhoodchallenge.com. That's the fatherhoodchallenge.com. If you go to this episode, look right below the episode description. And I will have the links and the email address posted there as well. So as we close, what is your challenge to that person listening now? How can they get involved with what you're doing and how can they help? There's older men that have lots of wisdom and they feel like, well, I'm old and I don't have anything to contribute. But young people like to hear from older men about what it really means to be a man. 
and share stories and experiences. And, and so, you know, there's all kinds of places where, you know, we can definitely use funding. Uh, we, we need help in staffing and facilitators. And, and as we continue to join in terms of the you know, transitional homes and things, we, we just need help, you know, financially as well as volunteers. So wherever a person, can, if he can't volunteer, then maybe he can, you know, contribute a donation to the cause. If they can't do a donation to the cause, maybe they can help volunteer in any capacity. Dr. Pirelli, thank you so much for being on the Fatherhood Challenge. It's been an honor to have you on as a guest. It's a pleasure and an honor. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fatherhood Challenge. If you would like to contact us, listen to other episodes, find any resource mentioned in this program, or find out more information about the Fatherhood Challenge, please visit thefatherhoodchallenge.com. That's thefatherhoodchallenge.com.